Interior, Richmond Mall. Damon and the rat walk on. The rat appears deep in thought. What do I, what do I say after she gets in the car? Damon, obviously in his element here at the mall, stops to flash a winning smile at a well-built older housewife. That part's not a problem, rat. What you need right now is my special five-point plan. As he talks, Damon passes a country farm shop. He plucks a free sample of cheese and sausage. Okay, you know, knock it off, Damone, okay? I need real help. No, knock what off? What do you mean? Men have died trying to obtain the information I'm about to give you, and I'm going to give it to you for free. Okay, tell me, so what is the five-point plan? First of all, Rat, never let on how much you like a girl. Damone turns to the cardboard cutout of Debbie Harry to demonstrate. Oh, hi. Two, always call the shots. He turns to Debbie Harry, who looks on with an inviting cardboard smile. Kiss me. Three, act like wherever you are, that is the place to be. Hey, this is great, isn't it? Four, when you're ordering food, find out what she wants and then order for the both of you. It's an absolute classy move. And the lady will have... So on and so on. Five. And this is the most important, Rat, so listen up. When you get down to making out, whenever possible, put on the first side of Led Zeppelin Four. That's Matthew McConaughey as the ultimate icon, Mike Damone, in the reading of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a COVID production done by the superstars of what are today. That and more topics on an all-new Nightfly with Dave Juskow. Welcome to the Nightfly Podcast, September in between Jewish Holiday Editions 2020. I am Dave Juskow, your host for this evening's events and hijinks. Yes, uh, oh boy. Well, I guess uh, there's really nothing to talk about except the oh boy. Hey, this is the Nightfly Man. 
and I didn't want to watch the reading of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That means something is horribly wrong in the state of our show, and that Dave Juskow needs to become a star e- immediately, if not sooner, to prevent things like these from happening, as we just did up front. So, uh, boy, a lot to talk about today, and yet I feel like there's nothing to talk about, but that's never the case of the Nightfly. We will continue to just keep talking as long as the climate allows us. So, hello and welcome to today's show, and uh, I hope everybody's doing okay. Happy New Year to uh, the Hebrew people out there. Yes, I can say that because I am a Hebrew, so it's all right. And uh, I hope everybody did who celebrates had a, a happy New Year. I... Yes, I did. I mean, Temple's not even a thing anymore. It certainly used to be such a part of my life. It's funny that it's not even a thing. It's wonderful that it's not a thing. I just really hated, hated Temple as a kid and as an adult. Um, You know, it's possible I might have liked it more if there were more things going on in my life, if my life was different at the time. But for me, and I believe I've said this multiple times on the podcast, I'm pretty sure, the New Year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur temple services, whereas where we went because we were, I guess, kind of a mix of conservative reform, even though we went to a reformed temple. My mother, as you know, uh, certainly hated the fact that we went to a reformed temple, so we had to do things that most of our friends at temple didn't do. Uh, but, I, you know, we basically just went to temple like most of the Jews, we, you and I know, on the high holidays, which was uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And uh, I just hated it. I hated every minute of it. And mostly I hated it, I guess, because I was with my family and I hated them. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, just, you know, my dad and I just hated each other. So uh, and it also was a wonderful reminder of how much of a loser I was every year, how I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm here again and nothing has changed. So in that sense, all the holidays were like that. Passover, other, for some reason, just the Jewish holidays, I guess, because, well, I didn't celebrate other ones. But yeah, like even Thanksgiving was always bad because it was just a reminder of how nothing has changed over the years. So not going to temple has definitely changed my attitude in life. And again, when I was younger, I used to feel I had a personal connection with God and that went away at some point. I don't know when. I don't know how. I guess my view changed. I mean, I, I definitely had it all the way into college, and then it just disappeared, I guess. I don't know whether those are religious views or whatever they were, but, um, you know, I guess after certainly after my accident almost 20 years ago, I when I was cursing God, which I, you know, guess I did because I thought we, I, I thought we had a deal. I thought we had a deal as I lay dying on my living room floor where I still live and cursing God, <laughs> which a lot of people just don't have the guts to do while they're dying. Um, clearly realizing our relationship was severed, <laughs> as you may call it, since that's what happened to my artery in my butt. But now I'm back in, thanks to the pandemic. I realize it's not all about me, as we talked about last week, and God hates everyone equally, so I feel much better and revitalized at my whatever views I have on the afterlife or religious beliefs as I continue my existence on this planet. 
But yes, Temple sucks. I was just telling my uh, nieces and nephews how we had to go to my grandparents' very orthodox temple a couple of times. Like when we went to the grandparents in Brooklyn, that was not a bad temple. That was a fun temple. Uh, Joe Messina's sister still lives in that neighborhood at the Marine Park Jewish Community Center, which I think is still around. And that temple wasn't horrible. We didn't have a problem with that. But when we went to my mother's parents, that temple was awful. That's where the men and the women sit separately. So it's serious orthodox. And they kept calling me up to what they they call the bima, which is where all the action happens. And they kept calling me up there. And then the rabbi would get furious. They didn't know how to daven. So I was just making the moves, you know, where you're like going back and forth like one of those ducks that's drinking the water. I was just making the false moves, and then he, oh, he reamed my mother a new asshole and my grandmother that I didn't know what I was doing. Wow, what a complete douchebag. I mean, seriously, if this rabbi wasn't that handsome and looked kind of like Hal Linden from Barney Miller, I would have given it to him, but good. But he was so attractive, I was like, ah, I guess he knows what he's doing. You see, folks, that's the way I view stuff, as you know, on attractiveness, and it doesn't stop with women. So every time you think something is sexist, it's not. I would do the same, I would have the same standards for a hot woman that I would have for a hot man. So how is that sexist? Thank you. Exactly. I hope somebody points that out the next time I get me too at a corporation. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. I'm obviously right. Now let's now let's just get down to this fast times at Ridgemont High debacle, which is unwatchable. Apparently, all these A-list stupid stars. Let's see, I have the uh, listing here. Uh, participated without apparently without Amy Heckerling uh, to do a reading of Fast Times. Now you know me; I do these kind of readings live in front of an audience, but I change the script to make it fun and modern and more interesting since we know all the lines, you know, let's have some fun with it, which they didn't do. Uh, as you could see, that was uh, Morgan Freeman doing the announcing. Okay. Brilliant. Now, when I first heard about this and I didn't want to watch it, I wasn't interested at all because of the stars. It's Brad Pitt. It's Jennifer Aniston. It's Julia Roberts, uh, Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> the, whatever, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, I can't stand that guy, John Legend, Dane Cook, and Sean Penn apparently was there, but I don't know who the hell he was playing, but uh, because I, I can't watch it, it's unwatchable. Now, when I heard that Matthew McConaughey was going to play Mike Damone, I said, you know what? I could be on board with this. This is not a bad casting challenge. Matthew McConaughey is technically Mike Damone. Like his whole life is Mike Damone. His whole demeanor is Mike Damone. This makes sense. But as you heard in that reading, you just want to punch him in the face and say, know your fucking lines. Don't, aren't you supposed to say, am I crazy or does he say, kiss me? You won't regret it. How does that line go the wayside? I mean, I don't know what script they're using, but the point is, if they're you, because there's another line in there that I saw that he does with Phoebe Cates, which doesn't make any sense either. So clearly they were using the original script. But the point of the matter is, if you're doing a 30 year old or 40 year old movie with stars who are my age, 
and you're doing it because everybody knows Fast Times, whoever the hell's watching this, we know all the lines. You better go with the transcript because the transcript are the movie lines that we know. And when we defer from the movie lines, you and I, you and I, the, the Nightfly listeners, get pissed. I mean, really pissed. So I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Clearly, Amy Heckerling must not have been involved. I guess Cameron Crowe was involved, but boy, it is unlistenable, unwatchable, and you just really hate everybody. That nobody hates Brad Pitt, but I really hate Jennifer Aniston and the 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 the, the expression she was making. Like, oh, this is so wonderful. Just a what a phony. And you know, Jesus Christ, this sucked. I don't recommend watching it. It's a Dane Cook as uh, as Rat, and just uh, boy, they they just took a a wonderful thing we have from our lives and just beat the shit out of it and ruined ruined it. Really, just ruined it. And I highly recommend not watching it. I mean, I dare you to watch five minutes of it. Please Instagram me. Please tweet me and tell me if you think, I don't know, Jessica, I thought it was pretty good. I dare you to write that unless you're doing it as a gag just to rile me up. You just heard some of it, and it's some of the worst stuff I've ever heard. Dane Cook as Rat? You want to start? You want to start? You want to get me going? Is that why they did it? Do you suppose that's why they did it? They're doing these readings, which, of course, I was doing way before anybody else. And they're doing them all wrong. I mean, maybe the comics aren't the best actors, but at least they can take a line and make it funny. And they were horrible acting. I heard they they all had internet problems. Nobody's plugged in. What a bunch of jerk-offs. I mean, am I jealous I wasn't invited? Of course I am. If I was in that and invited and somebody invited me to play Mike Damone in that, would I just say like, oh my God, it was so much fun? Of course I would. Not an idiot. Two Face. We've made that very clear. And here's the other thing about Jennifer Aniston. I really can't stand her. Now, let's understand that Jennifer Aniston is is, is probably a, a delightful person, as the, the the people I might know that might know her seem to enjoy her company, except for men clearly who don't want to stick with her. But um, I don't know this woman. Why she keeps getting praised in Hollywood, I I can't figure out for the life of me. I mean, this guy was putting all her movies together, this guy uh, who I actually like in the the post. Jennifer Anderson is more than Rachel with good hair. I disagree 100%. I think this is a gay man who's saying that. Um, Her list of movies, they're all horrible I mean, her list of movies is just ones you just don't want to see. And you could tell me a hundred times, oh, she was good in that, she was good in that, but I'm never going to believe that. As far as I'm concerned in Friends, she's really terrific. And I've said this before, I just think she's a really bad actress. And I think we all know why she has been, for some reason, uh, the, the, the most famous person from that place. She's just hot. She's remained very hot. Uh, into her 50s, and and it's a fact, and whatever she's doing is a miracle in itself. And I'm not saying she always plays Rachel Green. I'm just saying she's a very dull, boring actress. Hey, listen, I feel this way about Denzel Washington as well. So I'm just saying, uh, you know, here are the ones I, I mean, all right, besides Office Space, which, you know, you could probably just give her a pass. Who cares? I mean, whatever. 
Uh, there's Picture Perfect, which I mean, that was with Jay Moore, and um, The Good Girl, which everybody said, oh, she's terrific in. I disagree. Bruce Almighty. I mean, she's not good in that. Who cares? Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller. They're the people in that. Um, the Breakup, Awful, Marley and Me, fucking horrible, depressing. He's Just Not Into You, Love Happens, The Bounty Hunter, The Switch. Have you heard anything you're really enjoying so far? Just go with it. Horrible bosses. Maybe she, I didn't see that, but maybe she was good in that because she was playing off character villain or something. And she's certainly, again, hot enough. Wanderlust, awful. Thank God for Paul uh, Rudd. Um, I mean, she's funny that way. Horrible bosses, too. Mother's Day, Office Christmas Party. I, I, all these shows, I, I, there's not like a successful movie. And it, besides Office Space, which is just as living legend as Friends because Mike Judge is a goddamn genius. She stinks in everything. And the reason why I bring it up again is because, remember I told you when I saw the morning show, Apple TV's The Morning Show, which I watched because I'm like, well, let's see what this is all about. Let's give Jennifer Aniston another chance. I like I, Interesting premise. Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. I turned it off after the first episode because Jennifer Aniston ruins the show because she's not a good actress. And with Steve Carell and Reese Witherspoon are terrific because they're professionals. I mean, at this point, you have to call Jennifer Aniston a professional, but I she's a bad actress. And she was nominated again at the Emmys last night. Why are they? The Emmys are the worst offender of American uh, situations. The, 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 the Emmys are a, a thing that does not have its pulse on what's going on in the world. You, I mean, why are they having the Emmys? Cancel it. You don't have to give out awards. It's not the time. It's not the goddamn time. Oh, good for you, everybody. We're getting awards for the television shows that didn't even get to finish their particular seasons oh who gives a shit that's what we're worried about so jennifer aniston can pick up another award this is exactly what happened in 2001 they're like oh wait we got to do the awards but it's like oh it's supposed to be on september 11th well we'll have to postpone it and then they keep then we bombed afghanistan like oh we'll postpone it again also jennifer aniston could win another friends award it's like that's why they're having it but then jen might be Denied an, an, an Emmy. I mean, it really feels like that's what's happening again. This happened in 2001. It happened in 2020 to make sure that Jennifer Aniston is on that ballot. That's the way it looks to me. Now, we got fucking lucky last night. She lost, which I can't even believe. I mean, in an upset. I mean, here's another guy for the post is Michael Starr. And, and and he goes, he goes, he says, he has Jennifer Addison picked to win. This is yesterday's paper. He goes, yeah, I know. She's this year's out-of-the-box pick. But Addison can win her first Emmy in a surprisingly weak field. In a weak field? Uh, Olivia Coleman, who plays the queen in the crown? The, you mean the Oscar winner? That's a weak field? Jodie Comer in Killing Eve? That woman is fantastic. Laura Linney in Ozark, who I don't like, 
But we know everybody likes Ozark and everybody thinks Laura Linney's the greatest. And Sandra Oh, who I also don't like, but I do like Killing Eve. How is that a weak field? But guess who won? Zendaya in Euphoria. Zendaya from Spider-Man. Not only is she hot, but she's a great act. She's better in Spider-Man than Jennifer Aniston is in anything I've ever seen her in. Zendaya. She beat out Jennifer Aniston. Well, thank God. I don't know who's voting. I don't know who had the time to vote, but I like it. As uh, as Greg, uh, oh, shit. I'm, you know, I'm telling you, I'm getting. I can't remember the names of the cars. <laughs> Greg Hawks said in our uh, turbocharged movie. <laughs> I forgot the name of the movie. <laughs> well, I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yes, I guess I do. Uh, the good news is that the Emmys were good to our our friends at uh, Shit's Creek. Uh, Eugene Levy won, and the Shit's Creek won for best comedy. I think it won. Uh, what did it win? Seven. Took home five award. No, no, sorry, sorry. Shit's Creek broke a record with seven primetime awards. Well, I don't think anybody has a problem with that. Uh, this happens a lot to shows that go off the air with their final season. Uh, I think Catherine O'Hara, right, won her first acting Emmy. So it's Catherine O'Hara. That's an actress, and that is a comic actress. So if you're going to tell me that Jennifer Aniston's a comic actress, again, friends, excellent. Everything else, not. If you're going to compare her to Catherine O'Hara, you suck. We just played a clip of Catherine O'Hara last week, which is a completely different character from Moira Rose, which Jennifer Aniston could never pull off. And again, let's just use the, the once again, the topic from the time Sandra, uh, Sandra Bullock won for Best Actress for The Blind Side. Great movie, great performance. She's up against Meryl Streep and Julia and Julia, the worst movie I've ever seen. And Richard Roper says, who do you think should win? And he goes, oh, I guess Sandra Bullock's going to win. Sandra Bullock's going to win, and it's a good performance. But if you're asking who's the best actress, could Meryl Streep have played the Sandra Bullock role 20 years before? We say yes. Could Sandra Bullock play Julia Child any time in her life? We say no. So who's the best actress? It's goddamn Meryl Streep. Hey, you know I get serious about this kind of stuff, man. I like good acting. I love good performances. I take it really serious. Zendaya made history by becoming the youngest winner for Best Lead Actress in a Drama. Well, good for her. And that really sticks it to Jennifer Aniston, too, who's really old. When I say really old, it's just my age, but that's hilarious. Um, Watchmen won Best Limited Series, thank God, because that was great. Jason Bateman won Lead Actor because we love him. Everybody likes him. And Eugene Levy, I'm so glad. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Wait, that's who the guy picked. Oh, I'm sorry. I made it. I, I have that mistake. I, I made him. I might have made a mistake. Hold on. Sorry, that's who this guy picked. But no, Watchmen did win. Okay. Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Zendaya. Um, no, I'm sorry. Best actor in a drama went to Jeremy Strong. I don't know who that I was. I was rooting for Jason Bateman, too. Mark Ruffalo uh, won for Best Limited Series. He's Everybody likes him. Oh, Annie Murphy won for Schitt's Creek. I didn't. Oh, and Daniel Levy won for Supporting Act. Wow. And he wrote it for himself. Well, that's pretty impressive. Billy Crudup, Crudup won for The Morning Show. And I have no problems with that because he's terrific, too. Everybody else on that morning show is good. That's the only reason she got it, you know, that she was in the talk. Because she, she is surrounded 
very brilliantly by really good actors. Really good actors. This kind of stuff really clearly gets my goat. Why are you even having uh, the Emmys? You know, why is it necessary in a year like this? I just, I know there's ads and all that stuff, but it just, you know, oh, wonderful. So all these people will be able to make money while we're just hanging around waiting for our unemployment checks. That's a that's a great message to everybody, you know? Really terrific. Well done, everybody. <sighs> Again, you know, if I was nominated, be totally two-faced. Be like, oh, it's great. <laughs> but I'd be really upset with myself for accepting that award. In other news, Lori Laughlin as um, she's going to a federal prison, but like like a yoga prison. It's like uh, she's going to a federal lockup, a cushy clink two hours from her mansion that offers yoga, origami, and her choice of sax, ukulele, or accordion lessons. So that's where she's going to spend her time in jail. And you know what? I have no problems with that whatsoever. Does anybody, does anyone really care if they put Lori Laughlin in a nice prison like that, it's almost like why sh- she shouldn't have to go to a tough prison. What she did might have been wrong, even though any parent might have done it too. But what are you going to put cousin Aunt Becky in a fucking maximum security prison? It's just not necessary. The lesson's been learned. Her career's probably destroyed. You know, I don't even think she should go to prison at all. But, you know, again, a cushy prison for somebody like that, that's fine. I don't have any problem with it. Do you guys? I don't think anybody cares. Oh, what else? My God, what has been going on this week? I'm taping on uh, Monday morning, uh, the day before this comes out. I guess it's September 21st. This comes out on September 22nd. Uh, I wonder if everybody's been watching my Tuesday night shows at 8.30 on YouTube. We have been getting a lot of viewers. It's been a lot of fun. Yes, we make football picks, but mostly we just talk about nonsense, and I show you Pictures of my week, like last week when I showed you the pictures of uh, me at my friend's 25th birthday party. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, the, uh, the, my nephew's uh, 18th birthday party. My goodness. All these young kids having a good time during COVID. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, it's been really fun to do. I'm having a good time. And then, of course, I have my Sunday morning 10 a.m. YouTube show, which nobody watches, which is perfectly fine with me. I just enjoy doing it. And then we just specifically talk about football so I can get out of my way so I don't have to bring it to you guys and uh, the people that don't like sports and uh, talk about what I uh, started this program and talking about here. But I do enjoy just making picks and uh, doing whatever. It really has nothing to do with gambling or anything, but I do gamble, but only in Jersey. I mean, so far, I have completely stuck to the plan, which is when I'm out in Jersey, I can make the bets, and obviously when I'm back in New York, can't do nothing. Can't make other ones, can't change anything. It's just done, which is not a bad situation for somebody that's clearly got a problem, but is not betting on anything besides football. So the whole key, again, will be, can you make it to the Super Bowl without betting anything else? And can you stop after the Super Bowl? That will be the key when I know maybe the curse has somewhat been broken. 
I also got a uh, a uh, rent eviction proceeding starting. Uh, I guess here in New York City, at least, it's been that you can't evict somebody if they're not paying rent, you know, until October 1st. So they sent me that my rent is due uh, notice and um, they're going to start proceedings on October 2nd uh, because I guess I'm about two or three months behind, maybe two. And, you know, could I pay it? Probably. Well, obviously, I guess I will. It's not, I don't have the money. I mean, I can get it, I guess. But I was kind of hoping, you know, I signed up for this program where they maybe take care of it for you. But, I mean, this is a bad program. I signed up for it in August, and it's almost October, and nobody's told me whether I'm accepted or not. So you're just sitting there kind of waiting, and I think it's happening to a lot of people. Like, well, are you going to accept me or not? What do, what do I got to do? Do I got to, you know, contact friends now? Or, or are you going to tell me that you can handle two or three months of my rent? What's happening, you know? But listen, again, it's a great program. I'm not going to make, I mean, if they, you know, I'm hoping, I don't know why I wouldn't get accepted. I can't make any money mostly, you know, I mean, I'm getting a lot of work, but it's slow and it's just starting uh, to come in, you know, but it's not the, it's not the, it doesn't pay rent. It's stuff to keep you going, but it's not enough. So, you know, uh, I heard they're going to plan on extending the eviction proceedings, maybe, but I haven't heard anything about it yet. I really just don't know. I'm trying to ask a bunch of questions. I'm sure I can work out something with my landlord. I mean, why would they want to get rid of me? There's 23 vacant apartments here. 23. I don't know how many this building has, maybe 100, maybe 70. I don't know. But if there's 23 vacant apartments, why would they want to get rid of a guy who's trying to pay? I pay, you know, $500,000 when I can. Uh, I don't see why you'd want to get rid of me. I mean, uh, you know, pretty soon things will, well, at some point, I guess I'd, I actually really don't know. But at least I'm paying something. If you have this apartment open, who's coming in? Nobody's buying. Nobody's doing anything. Everybody's leaving the city. And anybody that tells you differently, it, it sounds like people are coming back, which they are, but they're also not. And the more they spend time here, the more they're like, you know, I made a mistake coming back here so far. And that's just New York. I don't know what it's like everywhere else. I can only speak for what I know. Uh, I mean, it just seems like people are going back to work, but it's surprising. I know there's a couple of corporations like JP Morgan who the, you know, the head is saying, you better get your ass back to work. You better get your asses back to work now. He's like making people go. Most of the people, I guess, you know, if you own a company and you know people are just at home, leisurely having lunch, and the productivity has got to be down, then you're probably pissed and you want everybody back at the office. But obviously, you know, people are a little afraid. But again, I think you got to do it. Maybe not that way and demand everybody comes in, but I think you got to open it. I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times at this point. You're just going to have to open everything. We're going to have to take our chances. There's just, there's no other way. We won't survive. And speaking of not surviving, what is this Ruth Bader Ginsburg? What the fuck? What the fuck is her deal? I mean, really? Is she really a patriot? Is Ruth Bader Ginsburg a patriot of this country? I ask you this. I question this because I say, why did she die right in an election year? She could, if she was a real patriot, 
she would have waited at least three months before she passed away, or really until, you know, February 1st. That's what she could have done for our country. What kind of patriot dies and leaves a big question mark during an election year? (laughs) That's the first thing I was thinking. I think everybody was thinking it. Sorry, I'm taping in the morning. Um, I think everybody is uh, thinking it like, what an asshole. (laughs) Not an asshole, but like, hey, thanks a lot, jerk off. (laughs) You left us with a, a major issue here. I mean, you want to get that Supreme Court balanced in a good way. It's very important that it's balanced. And now who the hell knows what's going to happen? What a mess. But she certainly is the talk of the town because she left us in a very exciting predicament, which could end up bad or, you know, we'll see, I guess. But, um, you know, I'm like, hey, some patriot dying just before the election day, you know, you couldn't have waited until February. You couldn't wait until diet right after the Super Bowl. Don't you want to find out who wins the Super Bowl? You couldn't have held off for a couple of months. How rude. And let me tell you something for such a remarkable woman, which we all know. I don't think anybody has a problem with this truly remarkable woman who lived, you know, a pretty interesting life. And they make a movie about her. Think about this, folks. They make a movie about her on the basis of sex, it's called. And they got some British, I'm trying to use a polite word, you know what I want to use, some British actress who's ridiculously hot, a British actress, you know I hate this, because if, if, if we're complaining about everything, if you can't have somebody who's not Spanish descent voicing a cartoon character, if you can't do anything, you can't have a cripple, somebody who's not crippled playing a cripple, then why are we having a British actress playing an American icon in Ruth Bader Ginsburg, let alone a fucking British guy playing Spider-Man? This has to be stopped. Telling you right now, I got no problem with the Brits, but you just keep your fucking accent. You play your British way. Don't be playing American characters that are fucking awesome. Felicity Jones should never have played Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's a fucking insult, let alone she cannot curtail her accent. It's just as bad as the people in Dear Evan Hansen who cannot not act effeminate. This is bad acting because you can't do a Brooklyn accent. The woman is from Brooklyn, and you can hear Felicity Jones' British accent. I couldn't watch the movie. I can hear her British accent coming out, and I didn't know she was British when I was first watching. I'm like, what is the matter with this woman? I apologize, okay? I want to know where you were. Denise and I went to a rally to hear Gloria Steinem speak. What? Gloria Steinem. She's a writer. She just started her own magazine. She testified in the Senate. Yeah, I know who Gloria Steinem is. What if you got hurt or arrested? Mom, it's a... Well, if you, if you got hurt or arrested... I mean, tell me you can't hear it. I'm not crazy. Rally, not a riot. Jane, these things can get out of hand. Okay, well, I'm 15 years old and you don't need to control every minute of yes, my life. Yes, I do. That is my job. And your job is to go to school and learn. Well, Gloria says we need to unlearn the status quo. Yeah. So you're on a first-name basis now? You know what, Mom? If you want to sit around with your students and talk about how shitty it is hey, to be a girl, but don't pretend it's a movement, okay? It's not a movement if everyone's just sitting. That's a support group. Jane, that's enough. That wasn't good enough uh, in the sense of what Jane, we're I doing. Oops. Uh, we heard more of the daughter. But you can see what I'm talking about. The movie is unwatchable because this idiot, it, it can't disguise her British accent. Now, we know... 
that there are British actors, quite frankly, like Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man, who I'd never know he was British. There's a kid on Good Witch who plays the, the, the son of the, ne- of the Good Witch, the next door neighbor of the son. That kid's British. It pisses me off. But that's a Canadian show, so who cares? And he does it flawlessly. In fact, in the show, and this is how I figured it out, he has this perfect British accent. I'm like, boy, that's a pretty good accent for a 17-year-old to have figured out. And then I found that he actually has the accent and he hides it. These people are good at hiding. If you hire Felicity Jones, and it's a woman who did this, and she should be brought up on some sort of charges to play an American icon, you suck! And again, if she did an amazing job and she could cover up that accent, but you're telling me this lady from Brooklyn has this snooty British accent she's trying to cover up because the gag should be that she's trying to cover up her Brooklyn accent. And so once in a while, the Brooklyn accent should come out, and that's that's good acting. But for her to keep swallowing her British accent when she clearly can't play an American actress, you stink. That's why I was so happy when Renee Zellweger played Bridget Jones. I'm like, finally, we got the opposite. And she was flawless. Really, truly flawless. Now, I wonder how the Brits feel about her. Because you know how it usually is for us. The backwards, you know, it's not the same backwards except for Angelina Jolie. And for some reason, Madonna has a fake one. But, you know, usually most of us are like, hello, sir. What's going on today? (laughs) But, you know, that's why the fucking guy in Lucifer is great. Tom Ellis. He's just using his regular accent. He's not trying to be American. Hugh Jackman is amazing. He's amazing. He's really good at covering it up. He's Australian. You'd never know. Uh, You know, if you can cover it up well and you're kind of beloved, then it's awesome. But I got to say, if you're going to start complaining about all this shit and you're going to give all these people in these American movies these jobs, I'm going to say something because you people suck and are complaining about everything else. So why not complain about this too? If, if there wasn't this, the cancel culture and all this bullshit, I wouldn't even give a shit. But if you're going to complain about everything, every single goddamn thing, then why isn't this brought up? Wait, she shouldn't be playing Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The, the, an American actor should, like Jennifer Aniston. Thank you, folks. I, I bought it 360. Thank you so much. I'm here all week. Well, this is a fun show, huh? Boy, I'm going at it today. I'm having a good time with you guys. I'm having a good time. So uh, last week, I told you I had that show on Nickelodeon, right? Or I got this job um, doing punch-up on this new pilot. So the people who work there in the, you know, back door apartment, uh, the department or whatever, keep sending me stuff to fill out, you know? Standard forms, I guess, disclosure agreements, um, Non-disclosure agreements, uh, W-9s, I-9s, W-4s, WWWs, you know, like background checks. I mean, seriously, I'm not even, besides the WWW, I'm not even exaggerating, right? And so every other day I get a new thing and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I really got to fill all this shit out just to get a measly couple of hundred bucks, right? So, but I don't care. I'm like, I'll fill out whatever they want. I'm grateful for the job, right? And I fill it out fast and give it back fast. And they even said, oh, thank you so much for the fast turnaround. You know, most of you, most of you got, most of you people, I was just talking about, you know, writers, you know, they, you know, take their time filling it out. I fill it out. I, I, I print it. I scan it. I mean, I really do the, 
you know, the job so they get it right away. I want them to know I'm a team player. And then doing a background check. I'm like, a background check? Really? A fucking background check? How is that? First of all, how did I pass? I don't know. But seriously, what 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 do you goddamn need a background check? I'm punching up a script. Let's say you use my jokes. Now, if I'm found out to be a pedophile, what's the difference? I'm not credited to the show or anything. I mean, you either, who cares? Oh, wait, we, we can't use these jokes. He's a pedophile. Why not? It's a funny joke. Nobody has to know except the people in this room. Who cares? Then don't pay me. What do you want me to tell you? Anyway, it's ridiculous, right? So finally, after seriously about five different days, this was not all sent at once, you know, another, so on Tuesday, I think, I think it was Tuesday, last week, I get a call from this woman. I almost want to mention her name because it's so pathetic, but I won't. I get a call from this woman and she goes, okay, now we only need your passport. We'll set up a Zoom call. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's it. That you got to be fucking kidding me. Now you need a passport. And I just filled out a bunch of forms and took a background check. If I took a background check, then your background check system stinks. If you found out that I'm either here illegally or I suck. Now I got to set up a Zoom call. What the hell is this? And the woman started to cry. And I said, are you are you crying? No, I'm not crying. And I'm like, it sounds like you're crying. I'm not. Well, she clearly was. And I said, what is no one's ever questioned the process. She goes, no, it had been here 20 years. And I'm like, well, somebody should because this is out of control for a few measly hundred bucks. I'm not applying. Listen, I said, I-, I haven't applied for a job in 20 years. So I don't know. Maybe this is the way it works. But I'm not applying for a job. I'm gonna trying to get paid for a one-off freelance job. I- I'm not, you know, I'm not applying for a job at Nickelodeon. What the hell is this? If you tell me this is the new norm, then that's it. You know, I'm good with it. But she just kept on crying. And I'm like, all right, all right, kid. I don't know what your story is. Meanwhile, she's my age. I said, I don't know what the story is, but obviously you're upset. It's very unprofessional. Because it's, it's un- you're saying it's unprofessional? And I'm like, well, I think it's the definition of unprofessional, but it doesn't bother me. You're lucky you did it with me and not somebody else. I'd like to know what's going on in your world that made you cry like this. She's like, I'm not going to tell you. And I'm like, no, you should tell me. I'm a comic. Maybe I can help. I, I, I'm, I'm funny at solving problems like this. This is, this is what I do. Um, she's like, well, it's just going through a hard time because, you know, my daughter's home and there's fires. She's out in California. And, then, and the school just got ransomed. And I'm like, what the fuck is she talking? Ransomed? This, I thought her kid got ransomed. I had to look it up or somebody told me what it was. What it is is. Her school, they're all having class online, and her school, I guess the school got hijacked for ransom money to put their internet back together. But why she's crying, I'm like, do you have to pay that money? She's like, no. And your kid's home safe, and there were no gunshots? Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you crying? What the hell's going on here? Who talk? What, what is this? And then I'm saying to myself, and this is awful, but I'm like, you see, women in the works, but I mean, I can't help myself. I'm like, you know, I don't think a dude would cry. <laughs> I know it sounds horrible, and I and it, it's the worst sexist thing you can say. But I'm like, well, are you kidding me? 
I didn't yell at her. I did, well, maybe the first I did. I'm like, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> but it was more like funny. It was like the way Seinfeld, like when when George tells Jerry not to be funny in front of that Asian girl, the date, and he's like, what? Am I being funny now? Is this funny? It's a little funny. It was just like that. Uh, you know, you just raise the voice high. Wait a minute. Wait, this doesn't make any sense. I'm basically doing the Seinfeld bit, but the fact that obviously she was having a bad day and I caught her on the bad day. But it is funny that no one asks any questions. Hence the problem we all have in this country. Nobody asks any goddamn questions. Wait a minute. Why do I got to do a Zoom call? Are you fucking kidding me? What? In fact, why couldn't this all be done over Zoom? Why don't you just ask me a question? Are you an American citizen? Yes. You have it proof now. If you find out I'm not, I suck. I mean, there it, right? I mean, let's just do it all over online. And I said, why are you sending me stuff day after day after day? Why don't you just send me everything at once? You said you've been doing this 20 years. And she's like, all right, I messed up. Okay. I mean, it was like unbelievable. And I said to myself, boy, I really just fucked myself at Nickelodeon for sure. This is a disaster. So I got on the Zoom call with her, and she was, like, not having it. You know, she's just, like, answer, asking me questions like, um, okay, um, and where do you live, please? Like, trying to be professional, but it was over already. So finally, at the end, I, I think I worked it out. And we, we had a nice talk, and I made her laugh a little bit. So I think I worked it out. But, yes, did Dave just going to make another woman cry? Yes, he did. But I swear to God, I'm the, I, you know, again, it's the exact same with the age thing. I treat everybody exactly the same. It didn't matter that she was a woman. I wasn't yelling at her because she was a woman. I was just yelling at this. It wouldn't have mattered if it was a dude who was calling. I'm like, dude, dude, what? what is this? I mean, I would have asked anybody the same question. It's just um, an unfortunate coincidence that I, I, I don't know what it is I, I put out there. But normally, again, though, when I do make women cry, I usually uh, work it out and we, we talk it out and it uh, – you know, and then we we become friends again. So me and this lady are okay. Although I did go to her superior, I had to and say like, "Do you know this woman? Is she insane?" And uh, and they're like, "No, I've known her for twenty years. She's terrific." And I'm like, "Well, let me tell you something. You know, I I, I didn't I didn't tell the main guy, but I like told his wife because I know her and uh, just like and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, she might. That's a little weird. That's a little weird. A Zoom call." Like even she thought it was weird, so I don't know. You know, I mean, really, I, I, I guess, I guess I'm just old. I don't know how it works. This is the new way. Like I said, I haven't applied for a new job in like 30 years. You know, the way I got this job was through another person, so I haven't applied for a job in like 30 years. I guess this is the way it is for everybody. But again, it's like I wasn't applying for a job there. But maybe if I get work from them again, I won't have to go through all this stuff because I applied technically already. So maybe that's what it is. But that's all I was asking. I, you know, and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. I thought every time I thought I got an email, they were like, hey, your check's in the mail. But and also since, you know, I hadn't gotten paid for the Gaffigan thing. And I'm just like, why am I getting so delayed on my checks? And so every new email was just like, can you do this? Can you do this? And I'm like, all right, but when's the money coming? I still don't have it. People keep asking for my routing number, my banking account, and then it never shows up. It shows up in the mail. What do they need that information for? What the hell is going on? It's too much. It's too much in my day. You'd get paid in cash, and you'd go down to the track, and you'd spend it all on a Friday. No, you know where you'd go? You'd go down um, uh, to you know, uh, 2000 Odyssey, and uh, you'd spend it all weekend long. Let me tell you about what I'd do, right? 
Okay, I work in a paint store, right? Just got a raise. Let me guess. And then on the weekends, you blow all your money at the discotheque. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're going nowhere. No how, nowhere. All right, I don't have the exact lines right, but you know what I'm talking about. It's Saturday Night Fever all over again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you and your friends go to the discotheque and blow all your wages from that week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, what's so great about your pussy? Sorry. You know, I don't usually talk like that, but oh, it's pretty funny. Um, Yeah, yeah. you know who came in the office yesterday? Lance Olivier. I don't know who it is. You don't know who Lance Olivier is? He's like the greatest actor in the world. Uh, no, I don't know him. He's like, yeah, he, come on. He does those Polaroid commercials. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's good. He's good. Could you get like free cameras from him? She's like, no. You know, he didn't have any with him. That's such an awesome scene, uh, and you just—it's such a great scene because you get her character like right away that she's a full of shit too. So it works, even though she's a bad actress. Even though she's not technically a bad actress, she's kind of a bad dancer. And it's funny when you watch that movie now because I'm talking about Saturday Night Fever again because this is what I do. I go from talk to talk like this. Um, you think about when he's like, "Boy, she's a really good dancer," and then you're watching her. And I'm like, "She's not that great a dancer." He's a great dancer. And and so anybody pales in comparison to, to to him, and she really ain't that great. But she was perfect for the role, technically. But um, dancing wise, she doesn't even. It's a like a joke. In fact, when he first sees her, and of course, I always do that line when he's like whispering to her, "Who's that guy? Who the fuck is that guy?" I say that to girls all the time when they're with the guy. Who the fuck is that guy? Come on, what are you doing? Anyway, with the girl from Nickelodeon, uh, the the first thing I thought of. Uh, <laughs> when I got on the phone, what I really wanted to do was say this line. My lawyer, Tom Hagen, Senator Buren. He's the one who arranged this whole thing for your man, Turnbull. Yes, yes. Sir. Well, I was under the impression that you and I would talk alone. I trust these men with my life, Senator. If I were to ask him to leave, it would be an insult. Well, it's perfectly all right with me, but I should tell you that I am a blunt man, and I intend to speak very frankly to you. Maybe more frankly than anyone in my position has ever talked to you That's what I should have said to that girl. I, I don't mind telling you I am a blunt man, and I expect to talk to you frankly. Maybe, maybe a little frankly than anybody's ever talked to you before. That's what I should have opened with, and, she's, and she should have said, I'm fine. Carly on family has done very well here in Nevada. You own or you control two major hotels in Vegas, one in Reno. The licenses were grandfathered in, so there was no problem with the gaming commission. Now, my sources tell me that you plan to make a move against the Tropicana. They tell me that within a week, you're going to move Clingman out. That's quite an expansion. However, it will leave you with one little technical problem. The license will still be in Klingman's name. Turnbull is a good man. Yeah, well, let's, let's cut out the bullshit. I don't want to spend any more time here than I have to. You're going to have a license. The price is $250,000, plus a monthly payment of 5% of the gross. Of all four hotels, Mr. Corleone. Now, the price 
for the license is less than $20,000. Am I right? That's right. Now, why would I ever consider paying more than that? Because I intend to squeeze you. I don't like your kind of people. I don't like to see you come out to this clean country in your oily hair, dressed up in those silk suits, and try to pass yourselves off as decent Americans. I'll do business with you, but the fact is that I despise your masquerade, the dishonest way you pose yourself, yourself and your whole fucking family. We're both part of the same hypocrisy. But never think it applies to my family. All right, all right. Some people have to play little games. You play yours. So let's just say that you'll pay me because it's in your interest to pay me. But I want you answering the money by noon tomorrow. And one more thing. Don't you contact me again, ever. From now on, you deal with Turnbull. Open that door, sir. Senator, you can have my answer now if you like. My offer is this. Nothing. Not even the fee for the gaming license, which I would appreciate if you would put up personally. <laughs> Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hey, hey, I didn't know you were here. Well, I had to play the whole clip because it's so fucking awesome. Could you think, um, let me just ask you a question. Do you think Jennifer Aniston could have uh, done a role like that? Do you think for a second that she could have uh, played the Diane Keaton role in, maybe? Or been in a scene like that? No, she couldn't. Because it's fucking awesome. Some of the best acting ever. And uh, that's what I said. Uh, I don't care for your kind out here in California with your daughter and your ransom school. I intend to squeeze you. I don't like the way you pass yourself off as a good mother who's homeschooling her children. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, that guy. <laughs> Woo! Just got rules. Yeah. I'm having a good time. You're having a good time during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. What's happening, babe? Woo. Loving COVID. Anyway, Tuesday was the big football show. But on Wednesday, you know, I went out of the comedy cellar as I'm off to do. Although this will be uh, probably the last Wednesday because then they're opening. And I said, listen, can I just MC shows on Wednesday? And she goes, we can't have an MC because we legally cannot have a show. We, we can't do a show. It's not legal down at the Comedy Cellar. We, we can only open for food. So, you know, maybe we can, uh, you know, have a, like a comic or two on, but that and only for like five minutes because then it's not technically a show. We're like giving an announcement. I mean, it's horrible. They won't let people make a living. Why is that a big deal? Now, I know everybody's talking about open the comedy clubs, open the comedy clubs. Jerry Seinfeld's been on TV. Can you please open the comedy clubs? Chuck Schumer's even been around. Who else was around? Somebody the big um, that was that was uh, sitting there. Can you open the comedy clubs? But the point of the matter is, 
the comedy clubs are under a different thing. So they'll open the restaurants, but they're not open the comedy clubs. Now, I don't know why the comedy clubs are that important. I mean, they're important to me. But I don't know if you go to the Senate to open the comedy clubs. I mean, if you can't open Broadway, why should you open the comedy clubs? But I think everybody does need the comedy clubs. A lot of people like to laugh, but there's you know, too many comedy clubs with unfunny people. But, yeah, something's got to give. Something's got to give. So they're opening the restaurants for 25%, which isn't nearly enough. On September 30th here, right after Yom Kippur, here in the city, the rest of the uh, country is pretty much open to 25 or 50% full. And I say for any of these restaurants that continue to survive here, as my next-door neighbor told me, um, he's going to have to close because 25% just ain't going to cut it. He's actually been doing better with the outside. Now, if you combine the outside with the 25% inside, he could make it, but it's going to be too cold. And he said, why aren't you investing in heat lamps? And he's like, what am I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What if they, I don't know what's going on. Nobody's going to, what about the wind, the culture, the everything? It's just all bad. He's right. What a mess. What a mess. Somebody's got to do something about it. But so I went down there, right? I had a couple of drinks at my bar. Then I went down to the cellar and I had the wings because I was dying to have the wings. And you know, I'm on the Nutrisystem diet. I think I've lost 11 pounds now. It's unbelievable. And I'm just no big deal because on the days when I'm cheating, when I know I'm going to the cell, I'm not doing the thing. So I don't have any – no, I did have breakfast. I had a piece of cinnamon raisin toast and some coffee. And then I don't eat until I get to the cellar. So I usually get six wings. But he goes, you want a double order? And I'm like, yes. I didn't know you were going to ask that because I want seven wings. Well, meanwhile, I ate 12 or 11. I think I ate all 12. But I didn't eat all the chicken as, you know, uh, Joe's uh, daughter always tells me I don't eat all the ribs off the bone. So – I don't know if something that makes me feel better about myself. And then a tell came later, and he goes, I'm going to have a burger. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have a burger. I never order a burger anywhere except at McDonald's or Burger King. I never have a burger at a diner or a restaurant ever. And for some reason, you know, I guess I guess I've been technically starving myself. So I just got – it was just one of those days. I'm like, no, nah, I got to keep eating. I, I need a burger. I need a cheeseburger now. Stat, I'm starving. So I had a burger as well because I'd been doing pretty good even the days when I was, you know, technically cheating or just basically not being on the Nutrisystem plan. It's not cheating. It's just going to a restaurant. I had stuck to just going to the restaurant, not eating anything else. And if I came home and I was hungry or something, I would have, you know, cucumbers and hummus. But um, yeah, the, I, you know, hey, listen, you're going to have those nights. And uh, I think I went home and had an ice cream bar, too. No, I ate some chocolate ice cream because I was just like, hey, what are you going to do? Then the next night I went to the restaurant because I'm going to film some stuff there. Uh, They're going to let me film. Actually, today, once I finish, I'm going to film a couple of gags that I'm going to put on Instagram. And I wanted to make sure they'd let me do it. So I thought I'd eat there, which was delightful. But I didn't have that. I had mussels and some steak. And that wasn't that bad. Um. And then on Friday, I went back to the program. And then on Saturday, wait, yeah, what I, well, sat, Saturday was Rosh Hashanah. That's right. So on Saturday, I went to my sister's because we decided, we knew we were going to have Rosh Hashanah there with my mother coming up there. And we were talking about what we we're going to eat. And I said, why don't we have breakfast for dinner? Why don't we like have eggs and, don't tell anybody bacon. And you know, hollow French toast and, you know, stuff like that and make an angel food cake. And that's exactly what she did. 
And Matt made great. I mean, he oversalts. Listen, this guy, my brother-in-law, is an amazing cook, and he should open his own restaurant. But he really oversalts. He oversalts. It's a disaster because I'm, you know, I was getting dizzy because I was getting dehydrated again. You know, with the program and my age, I'm getting dehydrated very quickly, so I get dizzy. And he oversalts. But it was still delicious. Bacon cooked perfect, perfectly. Rhoda didn't even care. I said, oh, and make a brisket like pot roast for Grammy so she can have regular food and take it home. But she was perfectly fine with it all. We thought she'd be upset. But we made the brisket for her so she could eat whatever we want. Meanwhile, Matt made such good brisket or what she calls pot roast. I, I had three pieces of it, which I never wanted when my mother cooks it. So it was delicious. But I didn't eat that much. You know, um, but my sister made angel food cake with orange icing, which was my dad's favorite dessert for his birthday. I haven't had it in 40 years, and she made it perfectly. It was delicious. It was really terrific, and I didn't have any alcohol or anything. And uh, then I went home, and I went to go see Alga and hang out with her for a little bit at her new place. And she's like, are you hungry? And I'm like, no, I just need a Gatorade, which I got. But then she put out a platter of all healthy stuff, cucumbers, carrots, tomatoes with hummus. And I said, well, this is perfect. So it wasn't a total disaster. I was planning on eating that when I got home anyway. So good. But then Sunday came, which was the big Maplewood, New Jersey tailgate, because we're not allowed to go to the Meadowlands to tailgate. And that was yesterday. And so I knew I was going to be drinking and eating. You know, the tailgates, I don't really eat that much. But this time I did because it was right there and it was easy. And Lee, our friend Lee Maracas, who's on our Sunday show, cooked everything to perfection. He's never outgrilled himself like he did this time. It was amazing. The flavor might not have been as good as sometimes it is because nobody marinated anything because we just kind of bought it and bought it in. Nobody did anything the night before. We wouldn't want to be bothered. But because it was cooked to perfection, chicken and steak and scallops, everything was perfect. And I think I ate more than I would normally eat at a tailgate because it was really cooked to perfection. And I was high. That's not helpful. And so then when I got home, I was still pretty drunk. Oh, shut up, Amazon. When did I say Amazon? I must have said it. Anyway, um, see, now it threw me off. But I'm not going to unplug it every time I go on. It's very rare. Anyway, he cooked everything so well. Then I was high, where I was a little drunk when I got home. I had more Gatorade. It seems obviously you got to have water and Gatorade to inst- for the instant help. But then you got to put the water on. Um, and I'm like, well, I think I'm going to order more food. Not that I was hungry, but that's my old ways of doing stuff, that I would have the second meal. And that's what I'm trying to drop. But I'm like, this is a, we're only tailgating this one day this year. So I'm going to order some sushi. And I did. And I ate it in two spells. I ate half of it, you know, around 8.30. And then around midnight eight or 11 o'clock, I ate some more. I ate the rest. Um, do I feel a little guilty about it? Not really. I was like, it's just one day. And I haven't had sushi in a while, and I never might have it again, considering what you know what I've been trying to do. But I definitely lost weight, man. I was on my sister's scale this time. I don't know if it's like my mother's, but I'm down to 189. 189. Um, I wonder if I was down. Maybe I gained weight. I don't know. But 189 for sure, right? And the last time I weighed myself on my sister's scale, the last time a month ago, I was 202. And I have only been over 200 pounds twice in my life, that day and another time. 
202 to 189. That's unbelievable. And like I put on this shirt where it was very noticeable that I was skinnier. I could tell from myself. I would never have worn the shirt. It's just a work shirt. But I wore it to look a little nicer when I went over for Rosh Hashanah. And it looked good on me. You know, like I like I felt better in it. So I don't know why I'd want to ruin it. But anyway, it was a tailgate. It was an old-fashioned tailgate. We're only doing it once this year. It's at this guy's house. It was a terrific time. I didn't get to go in the hot tub because his kids were in there. And it would have been, uh, what do they call it, awkward. Uh, I didn't know his kids were going to be around. But, uh, you know, you can offer them pot now because it's legal. So it's quite all right. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it is kind of funny. Uh, you know, technically, we could smoke pot in front of them because we're drinking in front of them. And it is technically legal. We're almost there. If we were in California, we could completely do it. It's not totally legal in Jersey yet. It's legal, but not legal. I guess in Colorado, you could completely do that. You could just smoke right in front of your kids because it's like smoking a cigarette or a beer. It's the exact same thing. But we still like the sneaking away. That is the kind of fun. That's what, uh, you know, uh, the best part about it always being illegal was that was the greatest way to bond with people. You know, I mean, that's how Sarah Silverman and I are friends to to the, to the end. You know, we're really into this one illegal drug. <laughs> and that was a bonding, heavy bonding experience, getting high with somebody. I think it still is, even though it's legal. But um, maybe not the same because it's so easy to get or whatever, you know, as the future goes on. But it certainly was a terrific bonding experience because, you know, hey, that's how my sister and I actually started becoming friendly, you know, because she hated me. I guess I hated her, too, but only because she was never in trouble. But, uh, yeah, when we found out, we both got high. That was like a huge, that was a huge deal. And we discovered that uh, we had something in common finally, you know. Besides um, her awful singing, I'm kidding, because if she's listening, she'll kill me. But I I really wanted to go on with it more, but I was too afraid that she'd be in the car and have an accident. She's the worst performer I've ever seen in my life. Meanwhile, my my nephew Billy, of course, is auditioning for a bunch of stuff. He's going to end up getting a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to be upset about it. I really am rooting for him. We're trying to pad his resume because, you know, he doesn't have anything on it yet. I said, tell him he was on the... uh, on the Comedy Cellar YouTube show because I showed pictures of him. So like, oh, yeah, it's not a lie. Yeah, I was talking about him. There he is. Was talking about what he does. It's kind of like being on the show. Then I guess uh, we'll have him on on video next week, and then he can actually say I was on the show. We'll have him come on and just say, hey, Uncle David, I'm just trying to pad my resume. Thanks for having me on. See you later. I got to go. That's a funny bit. Then he's actually in a sketch. So then it's not, it's not phony at all. It's brilliant. And uh, why not help him out? He's turned out to be a, a terrific kid. I really actually like him a lot. But, you know, at the uh, tailgate yesterday, or whatever we're calling it, I wanted it to be in the driveway, but it was in a backyard, Ugh, whatever. Um, they had a fire pit. And even though it was a very contained fire pit, once again, didn't realize, came home, had to strip off everything. It all stopped. Stinks like charcoal. It's almost like being in a cigar place. Had to shower. Had to scrub my hair for many embers that were in it or whatever. Everything's just on a pile on the floor. I got to go to the dry cleaner after this and have everything just scrubbed from top to bottom. Everything is useless. Man, that shit stinks. 
And I know it too. I'm just I I wonder if I got to now dry clean my jacket. It was right by there. You know, you don't even know it's all smelly until you get home and you take a whiff. And then I got to have everything dry clean. You know, my my fall jacket too. What a pain in the ass. I, I took it off, but it was like right by the fire. So I don't even, now that I'm talking about it, I'm like, "Oh my god, do I have to do I have to finish this? I don't know what the hell's going on." What a pain in the ass. How are ya? I think that's it for today because, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm done with everything I had to say. You know, I mean, I've been really busy. You know, that's why I've been taping these on Mondays because I've been so busy during the week. But also there's been stuff going on in the weekends, let alone I want to report to you what's been happening. And next weekend is um, Yom Kippur. On Sunday night, and Yom Kippur is actually Monday, so I'll tape before that. I'll probably tape on Sunday during Kol Nidre. Because where am I going? I'm not going to Temple. I just told you that. And then, uh, you know, that used to be a horrible holiday for me, but it's not that bad anymore. I think I might go to my sister's and I'm kind of enjoying it again. Remember how I was saying I'm never going over there again? Well, I think as long as I uh, go and leave, everything's not so bad. Yeah, there's some other stuff I want to tell you about, uh, too, but not yet. And uh, remember, I'll be at the Stress Factory Wednesday, September 30th, opening for Rachel Feinstein. That is in New Brunswick, New Jersey, right by Rutgers. So if you're in the neighborhood, please come by. And uh, obviously, uh, the, the show on Tuesday on YouTube, called the Comedy Cellar Nightly. Or you, if you subscribe to it, you'll always get it. But, you know, if, you, if you're looking for it, you go to Comedy Cellar Nightly on YouTube, and then you got to press the Comedy Cellar Nightly, and then everything comes up. You see past episodes, although I don't know why you'd want to. And uh, uh, tonight, my guests will be Jim Florentine, Bonnie McFarlane, and our good friend Russ Maneve will be joining us on the Dave Juskow Comedy Center football show this tonight. It's coming out Tuesday, September 22nd. And as we continue into our foray of football, the fall, and what COVID has in store for us, we will continue the Nightfly podcast and continue bringing you quality entertainment. Can I say that? I really want to, you guys. Oh, and on my Sunday show, I keep talking about the Sunday funny comics. I keep showing them every day. I'm always a new comic about how horrible and awful they are and that they still exist and that people are still making money for them. Mostly jealous, I guess, but they're just stupid and so unnecessary. But. I still like getting a Sunday paper that has a colorful Sunday comics. Anyway, I'll see you next week, everybody. Have a great Happy New Year, and have a great week. See you after Yolk. Everything will be forgiven. Yeah.